Okay, cut. Wow, Neil Armstrong. Hey, wait a minute. You're supposed to be on the moon. I just saw it on TV. Oh, there's a, a, a tape delay and uh, all uh, solar winds. <laughs> We already know how we can do it. It's just the budget that's preventing us from doing it. Uh, so the fundraiser will really be make it or break it for the project. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with... Paul Flores. Yeah, public space program. Um wants to put a couple satellites around Earth, a couple satellites around the moon eventually, and all public access. Moonviewingproject.org. MVP. How do you lose with a name like MVP? Uh, but first, as always, gluten gram. Gluten-free gram to you. No, it's gluten. You're the gluten. The gluten that keeps America together? That's right. Right. That's from Justin. Thanks, Justin. That's for you, buddy. We have Justin here with his two fourteen mind slamming doors. The guy that the guy that sends out our newsletter every week. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, your, I do what your I help can. is muchly appreciated. The editor, you're the editor in chief. That's editor right. in chief. That's right. So, how you been? Oh, doing good. Staying busy. Just trying to keep up on work newsletter, and I managed to get out a post out every now and then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just got it. You, you blog too, right? So you had the latest. Yeah. Uh, the latest post came out, I think, recently. I, I haven't read it yet. Ago. I'm sorry, I haven't read it yet. I should have read it before this, but uh, you should read it at nighttime. Well, it's it says a creepy. Spooky. Well, it says I it's kind of Pato is okay. Yeah, we haven't heard from him in a while. Eh? Yeah, I was. I was just thinking about that. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're. I think his subscription still goes through. So. Well, there, there you go. We're all you must good. be okay in some capacity that his credit card hasn't been canceled. <laughs> your, 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 your blog looks a little freaky. Yeah, that's the intent. Is it's it? Maybe that's a freaky subject. So uh, maybe that's why I haven't looked at it yet. I'm yeah, wait, wait until it's, uh, it's dark. Read it, read it at nighttime. Okay, I'll do that. Get Siri to read it to you. There you go. In a what kind of accent? South, South African or something? South African. Yeah. No New Zealander. The Kiwi accent. Kiwi. Yeah. You should just call. Um, get Jared to read it to you. Yeah. yeah. Get him to read it to you while you lie in bed. <laughs> Perfect. So what? What is it about though? Is it about? Uh, it's about monsters and spirits and folklore from around the world that mimic the cries of our babies, of our young. Mainly to get us to get closer to them or into a, a unfavorable predicament. Wow, that sounds... it's actually quite a few. I found quite a few. I didn't include all of them because it was already getting kind of lengthy. But um, yeah, I go over a few known ones, some not so well known ones, some of my favorites, and uh, some real world animals that mimic uh, the cries of other creatures young. <laughs> And then eat the shit out of them. Pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the folklore, like, not all of them were, you know, out for dinner. Usually there was a task um, given, whether it be to turn 
whatever, like, say it lured you out into the woods there, Graham. Say its task was to change did you, say, you. Did you say, what did you just say? Lure you out into okay. the woods. I thought you said something else there. <laughs> Mine in the gutter tonight, Darren. What, Mine like whore me out in the woods? No, I thought he said lure the Jew. <laughs> uh, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Are you Jewish, Graham? I don't care. I'm just curious now. No, no, not at all. Uh, but let's say it was to lure you out in the woods, and when it got you there, it's this main purpose was to change you into another insert monster name here. Uh, Chupacabra. No, Chupacabras aren't known for me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Strikes, just strikes kidding. me as more of an incubus. <laughs> why Why would he strike you that way, Darren? I don't know. This seems like... Do you dream about me in the middle of the night, Darren? <laughs> raking me? Can you, do you wake up and not able to move? No, I could just say that's Graham's evil entity. Prowl on the streets. Okay, so let's get back to the, the story here. So... So Justin, it, it lures me out in the woods, and then, and then what? The it changes you into oh, whatever it changes me into. It is. A few of them do that. Some of them, um, uh, like the Miling of the Scandinavia, uh, they are said to be like spirits of unbaptized. Like after Christianity moved through the region, it changed into unbaptized babies or babies who die before they're born, stillborns or Babies of mothers who died before they're born, causing them to be born in the ground and or unnamed. Um, infant side was pretty popular practice back then. And so a lot of people who weren't able to afford to feed another mouth would leave children, newborns into the woods pretty much for dead. And so these spirits are said to be those who um, can't die without um, having a name because they're, they're die without having a name so they're said to like jump on your back and some of them will say because the stories differ the versions differ either you said you know give me a name and once you give them a name then they'll let you go others will say take me to the cemetery and then you have to walk to the closest cemetery and like every step you take the myelin gets heavier and heavier and heavier and um, once it gets to the cemetery if you make it then it jumps into the ground and then it can you know, rest peacefully because it's sacred ground. If you don't make it to the cemetery because of its weight, then it kills you. Huh. And then you know, looks for someone else to take it to the cemetery. Wow, that's pretty freaky. Yeah, there's a few different versions um, from the Philippines to Alaska, here in the continental United States. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting... Uh, it's, it's very... They have a lot of similarities, a lot of things in common with each other. So the moral of the story is stay away from crying babies. If you're out in the woods in unfamiliar territory, I, I, well, that's just it. Like that, those spirits, like they, they play with that instinct to help young. You know, we we're all hardwired to to protect. You know, young children, and so a cry in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. Your first instinct is to go rescue that child. Hmm. What's this about the land land otter people? I'm I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to Vancouver Island uh, this weekend. So, yeah, the, so those are those might be my new favorite. Those are close second to Bigfoot uh, to my new favorite cryptid. 
Um, the Kush Taka, um, the in, well, I forget the name of the tribes, mainly from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest, and yeah, along the First Nation people in British Columbia. Um, they're basically, I would say, kind of like were otters, as they're mostly described as described as humanoid, but um, they call them the land otter people. That's what Kush Taka is roughly translated to. Um, but yeah, they are known to trick you out from even your homes through the cry of a child or a baby, and they can either turn you into other Kushtakas or they can simply um, kill you. Um, they're also known for tricking you out and getting you lost only to rescue you. And by rescuing you, rescuing you then you owe them a debt, and therefore you get transformed into another Kushtaka or wow. a landaughter person. Kushtaka. I think I'm saying it right. I don't so, know. Is that like? Uh, sounds, sounds good. Is that like a what's a land otter? I wonder what is. It, like it looks a, like a, more like a were otter than a. Yeah, yeah, that's how I would describe it, probably because they're they're humanoid, they're bipedal, but they're otter people. So that's the land otter people. Like a giant beaver. You know what an otter is, right? Yeah. You cuddly, just that, just more ferocious. I assume. Are they more ferocious? It'd be cool if they're just because there's otters here. I see them go. They're all floating on their back and they're holding. Well, yeah, hands. I mean they're really playful. I mean the, the they, otter they sleep itself. holding hands so they don't become separated really from each cute, other. Really adorable, no. really playful. Yeah. Did you know about that, Justin? Otters sleep holding hands so they don't get separated. I did know that actually. Yeah, actually, uh, just doing research on this this cryptid. Uh, I did some research on otters as well, and. Um, yeah, there's, you know, used to be a giant beaver that roamed North America. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the land otter people, but it, they, they have existed. They have found fossils of these creatures. So, I mean, it, it's interesting. Wow. Of giant otters, not of otter people. Yeah, of giant otters. Giant otter. Mm. I was thinking about you because uh, <clears throat> I ended buddy. up... I ended up watching a show about Sasquatch. Thanks, about, yes. uh, about, <laughs> about, no, what was it again? It was a, a, one of those TV shows I had on the background. It was about Bigfoot. Monsters and, and uh, Mysteries in America. No, it wasn't that one. It was a different one. Oh, it was Secrets of America, or America Book of Secrets or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were, it's just, it's just annoying. It's those annoying, like, in the woods with the night vision cameras and oh did you hear that like one of those like cliche typical episodes <laughs> that's, that's the word <laughs> crickets yeah but but um but what made me think of you is our discussion about shooting it or not because that came up as a big thing right about how there's some legislation about uh recently about in some states, how killing Sasquatch would be like that government actually acknowledged that if you fucking shoot Bigfoot. They in have trouble that here in Washington, did yeah, you get in the, Skamania County. It's been protected get, since 1984, I believe. Oh, did you get the tweet I sent you? The the picture. I don't know if it's supposed to be me or not. In the latest Lost Bread, did buddy with buddy with the trumpet that's wearing the shirt that says "Take the Shot," and it's the like <laughs> sight on Bigfoot. And Buddy tweeted a picture of it saying he he wants it to be the next Great America shirt. Bigfoot in a fucking crosshair. No. I saw that in the Lost Bread and I, I did think of you. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be you or not. Huh. If maybe what we do is have the 
Somebody taking a shot at Bigfoot and all fly across <laughs> and take the bullet for Sask. <laughs> take the bullet, take the shot. We just need, we'll just have two. We'll see which one sells better. There you go. And then judging by those cells, that will settle the argument. Yeah. And you have to abide by it, Graham. Well, it's pretty easy since we're losing money on the other original batch of <laughs> yeah. t-shirts we got. It's not hard to beat that. So, uh, is that a big, is that a big thing though? In, in Sasquatchery? This, it is. Uh, this, it's actually, like, there's quite a few debates on it. Is it getting more in, in the debates right now? It seems uh, like I since we... I think it's we've... plateaued actually. Oh, uh, you pretty much have the, the one school of thought saying, you know, this is how science works. You know, you need a type specimen and th this is how it's done in science. And another group saying, you know, they're so rare as it is. And even if they are a higher life form, then, you know, ethically, you cannot take this creature's life. Um, I'd say it's plateaued for a while now. It's basically the same group of people. You might get new people coming in and off either side. But yeah, I'd say it's about the same. It's always been a big issue in the field of Sasquatchery. And the government hasn't been getting more involved in making rules squatchery. about it these days? or No, uh, here in Skamania County near Mount St. Helens, like I said, that ordinance has been in effect um, since 84, I believe. And I, it's not just to protect um, an unknown primate known as Sasquatch. It's because of the, the amount of sightings around the area. Um, they don't want some idiot in a suit out in the woods and get popped by some Bigfoot hunter trying to take a pipe when did St. Helens erupt? 81? Oh, 84, yeah, in 81. Before before I was born. What month? Summer, uh, I think. Wasn't it summer? I believe so. I remember yeah. being out of school, I think, but I'm not I'm not sure. Did you see uh I got, yeah, did you, did we you got see a, the smoke? Yeah, we got ashed up in, the in ash? uh, where we were, yeah, up in uh in southern Canada. Were you in BC then? I was. So yeah, you, you definitely would have got some. In Maple Ridge, so like, you know, about an hour, 45 minutes east of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what happened to the Bigfoot during that. Like, I wonder if they knew... May 18th, 1980. Knew... Oh, what? 80, really? Yeah. That's weird. Almost exactly uh, 35 wow. years ago. I wonder What's what today? this. I wonder no. if the Sasquatches knew that was coming, and um, they ran, or, or if they from got like caught. The infrared sound, like some yeah. animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've actually read some stories. I think I even heard it on Mysterious Universe, of like forest rangers being taken, like volunteers, like new, like your first day, and there's was the Mount St. Helens fire or eruption, and um, like forest rangers were being brought down. They were just like tents full of Sasquatch that like medics were treating and uh they're you know be taken away like you're not allowed to say anything about this i remember hearing that story too i'm not yeah. sure if that was a mount st helens eruption or if it's just one of the washington state fires um i thought it was yeah. the mount st helens eruption yeah. i think it, i think it was, it was. A sasquatch mash yeah nice so <laughs> i wonder though in all seriousness if if uh there was if they were actually relocate had to relocate and, and, you know, if there was extra sightings uh, happening in different areas after that eruption. That would be something worth looking into. Although back in 1980, let's say even to 84, it'd be kind of hard to find any records of such um, reports, you know? Yeah. 
Mm. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it'd probably be hard to do. Yeah. You're the Sasquatch yeah. guy. It's true. I'm on it. I'm writing it down, <laughs> making a note. <laughs> just be my next speaking of Sasquatl. What else you got going on these days? Um... Well, I really wanted to pump another post out just like back to back. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just deciding on which which topic. Because anytime I think of an idea, I'll write it down in my notes on my phone. But it's kind of hard. Um, I, yeah, like I wrote that one down that I did uh, a few days ago, a while ago. And I, I just remembered it by looking at my notes. But the next one, I'm, I'm not too sure what it's going to be. I'm not sure if it's going to be another speaking of Sasquatch. Or maybe something biblical, something to do with the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know. You know, a topic I haven't covered that I want to is ghosts. Um, the science behind it. Um, We're doing a ghost app. A ghost app? No, a ghost, ghost app. episode. We, oh, we don't oh. even have a Grammarica app. We don't have a ghost app. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have Matt L. Swain coming on, talking about haunted rock and roll. So he's got ghostly tales of musical legends. Oh, that's cool. It kind of reminds me of that haunt, uh, that alien rock book where it's talking about alien encounters and all the like super popular musicians. Well, this is about ghosts and them. So, and he's he sounds like an, a really fascinating guy. He's uh, he's written another book as well, and he's one of these uh, skeptical but open minded researcher who's into all kinds of uh, sort of investigative journalism around paranormal stuff so I, I have a feeling it's gonna be really good well i liked you guys' last um well i guess that was more of a exorcism episode but it dealt with with well demonic entities not so much human entities um that, that was a good one i liked it um but it's she claimed to be um psychic didn't she or a medium no i can't no remember. i don't uh... Or she she healed through the spirit of the Lord, or yeah, something along those like lines. It, it was a supernatural ability that gave her the power to to do what she did. And, it was very religious. Yeah, and and I'm okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you you can't use that as proof of the paranormal. You can't use the paranormal to prove the paranormal. And although I like those stories, they're fascinating. You know, I could listen to them forever. But, you know, like when it comes down to like, all right, what's really going on? You can't use that as as proof or evidence um, of mm. something paranormal. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't think that they those I think a lot of those people guess like that. They they don't really care to prove it as much as for people that don't believe or for skeptics. I don't think they really give a shit about that. Which yeah, is, which is interesting. Skeptics. Yeah. I well. Yeah, they, they, people who do, who do that just kind of give ammo to the big skeptics, you know? I mean, and it's not just hurting them, it's kind of hurting the field as a whole when they give them ammo like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a time for the profound UFO quote of the week. Darren trying to catch us off guard and changing the subject as he does. Graham's profound UFO quote of the week. This is, I strongly recommend that there be a committee investigation of the UFO phenomena. I think we owe it to the people to establish credibility regarding UFOs and to produce the greatest possible enlightenment on this subject. 
That was President Gerald Ford in 1966. Old Jerry Ford. Yeah. That was a good one. Remember the Simpsons where they just made him seem like a total fucking idiot? I don't remember that. I guess they made all the presidents seem like idiots. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Quick on your feet. What yeah, if there's right. a G word for that? Go, go, gadget? Go, go, gadget, crown. No, not happening. What else we got? Uh, I think that's it for me. Justin's got to have something else. Got got a I got a small one. A small one. It just happened the other day. Okay. <laughs> Synchronicity. It's time for another installment of the Canadian Third Party Synchronicity. Okay, it's well done still. I still feel self-conscious about jingles in general. Jingle self-conscious? You're self-conscious about a lot of things. Thanks, buddy. Podcast related. But you do great. You do. You're the star of the show. Oh, shut up. story. Grand America. Yeah. Okay, let's have this one, Justin. Like I say, it's not like a huge one, but it did give me pause. Um... I was watching, or I was, I was writing um, my last post, and just as background noise, I threw on uh, Monsters and Mysteries in America, and uh, I was Fuck just... Off. Did you listen to the last episode? Okay, so that's my that synchronicity. Is I, turned it, I turned it off, and um, I turned it off, and I had out the door, and, and I put it in my headphones, and where I paused it, it was right at the part where you were talking about having monsters and mysteries on the background. It was the Stargate. No episode. way. That's not now. It would have been cooler if it was a Stargate episode, but it wasn't. It, but it was monsters and mysteries. But it's it's kind of like, well, yeah, we both have interests in that, so that's not a big surprise that we both would watch that, you know. But but still, like I had just turned it off and I put on my headphones, and that's what you were talking about. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's a good one. Because I don't really watch... The, I mean, the fact that I even would talk... I wasn't even going to talk about that on the Why show. Why don't you just talk about having it on again? You've had it on in the last two shows. No, that was a different one. That was America's Book of Secrets. Because oh. I suggested Monsters and Mysteries because I was kind of trying to lead it that oh, way. Oh, I see. I see. But yeah, like I, I haven't watched it for a while. Like I have them all downloaded on my computer. And actually what it was is um, my PlayStation wouldn't connect to um, the PlayStation Network, so I couldn't watch Netflix or Hulu or anything, so I just watched something from my computer, and I was like, I'll just throw this on, and that's what it was, and yeah, I was going to work and plugged it in, and that's what you were talking about. That's crazy. So, speaking of those shows, because I really don't watch a lot of TV, and I have a hard time with those shows. Thank you, I was wondering, I appreciate it. You're such a hard ass. No, that's good, that's fair. That's That's fair. fair, you see? For for that synchronicity, I mean, it was somewhat. Uh, it gave me pause. It wasn't so much profound. So I, I feel that was a just judgment. Judgment. It's probably even a little once. high. Or once. You guys are both lame. <laughs> We're lame. <laughs> so what what would you recommend? Like if uh, if you watch those kind of shows, like if I was to watch more reality paranormal kind of TV, do you have any favorites at all? I hate to even talk about it, but yeah. 
the Monsters and Mysteries I downloaded and I've been slowly working my way through them. Like I said, it's been a while since I watched them. Um, the reenactment reenactments on there kind of get me like they just seem too cheesy, too corny. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of nice just to kind of hear the first person tale of the events that they went through. That's what I kind of was liking about it, actually, is it, it it was cool to see people talking about their own experience on there. That's kind of what I liked about it. It's like these people and they're just saying, like, look at all these people saw this and you can't just deny, yeah. deny that. I kind of like that about it. And yeah, it, it's the way they tell it. It's with a lot of compassion and a lot of belief that 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 is what they what happened to them um almost to the point in a lot of them where they start to tear up in you know the scarier situations um besides that i would say my ghost story is a good show and also what was it haunted high school or Something about haunted schools. That was a good show. Huh, Matt, uh, Matt Swain, our upcoming, I think that's what he wrote. He wrote a book called uh, Haunted uh, Universities or Colleges or something. I think. Yeah, I forget yeah. what the name of the show. But yeah, my, my ghost story is a pretty good one, actually. It's kind of the same premise. It's first-person tellings. The reenactments aren't as cheesy as Monsters and Mysteries in America, um, which, which helps. It's actually, you know, pretty well put together. But some of those, yeah, kind of sent some chills down my spine. Um, like that, the old that. Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh. That used yeah. to be a real creep show. Yeah, I was pretty young watching that, and that would always give me the chills. I think they should bring sightings back. Sightings? Yeah, that was my favorite back then in the early 90s. I remember hearing about the only other UFO report that I've read or heard about at oh, all, yeah. at all, uh, Similar to mine, it was uh, on sightings, and it was a, a woman in Israel that saw it And as you well. met her, didn't you? No, I didn't meet her. Oh. No. That would have been good. I, I thought, well, that must have been someone else's story. Yeah, no. No, I just remember seeing it going, that's kind of, that's what I saw, and she was talking about an Israeli sighting as well, so. Oh, yeah, uh, there's a story similar to that, where she, like, the person had just saw, um, like, just happened to watch it on YouTube. And then, like, ran to at a convention, ran to this lady. She's like, "Don't I know you from somewhere?" And the lady's like, "Oh, there was like this episode that barely got any airtime." She's like, "I just watched that on YouTube. I could have sworn that was you who said that." Oh, I don't think so. Oh, oh, nice. I don't play too much, or YouTube will ban us. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Hey, were you able to? You should go on YouTube and see if you can watch the uh, roundtable episode. See if there's any commercials. No, I thought it said it was banned in the states. Oh, okay. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, because uh, used what? What was it? Probably Monty Python. Of, oh, Monty Python. Oh, spam a lot. Sp yeah, no. It's it funny. Was, no, it was uh, Camelot. Well, it's Camelot. Camelot. Well. I say spam a lot because uh, it was I was the gonna round go table watch. nights of the round table. Yeah. Song. Yeah. yeah that's it, that was Camelot in Camelot. There was a play was down it. here that was called spam a lot based on the Monty Python search for the Holy Grail. Yeah. And I was going to go see it, but I, I just spaced it and missed it. Sad. I would have loved that. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to see it too. And I don't think I did because the Holy Grail is like probably my all time favorite movie. It's an amazing movie. It's, and it's, yeah, I'm glad you like it, Graham, because 
when I talk about it with some people, they just look at me all weird when no, I try to explain. Every freaking scene is like the best. I, I gotta watch it with Darren because Darren's just rolling his eyes. He doesn't even get it. Oh no, Cause, Darren. Because I remember seeing that in a, in my buddies. I know exactly where I watched that movie for the first time, and it was like nineteen eighty. <laughs> Five or eighty four in my buddy's Maybe place. We'll watch it for Grimerica Psilocybus too. There you uh, go. I don't know. Perfect. That's probably not the best. Maybe you might get it. It's pretty deep. <laughs> Some of it's pretty deep. So I was watching it with at my buddy's place, and his parents were cracking up about all this stuff. And I was only like fourteen or fifteen at the time, so I really didn't get what they were talking about. But I do remember the Black Knight scene from back then. It was kind of at that time. It was kind of freaky to me. <laughs> but I do, I definitely have uh, memories. And then, of course, I've seen it, you know, a million times after. Yeah. I used to work with a guy. Um, I was making Monty Python references. And I was like, you know, I probably watched that movie like a hundred times before I figured out what Knigget meant. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what? What do you mean? And I'm like, Knigget is the pron know? pronunciation of night. <laughs> and he's like, like, it blew his mind. Yeah. Like he's like, oh my god! Like you don't understand. I watched that a million times, and I never put that together. Yeah, he's like, I thought it was just some gibberish. Like he called his wife up to tell her, right then and there, it was hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. I I didn't get it either for a while. I know guys that call the job boxes Kanax. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Instead of what Nax? Nax, yeah, like a K knife. Yeah, yeah. Kanax. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, that was it's a French. It's, it's funny how fast fast it spreads yeah. from one guy to like Yeah. Well the French were calling the English knights Knigets, right? It's pretty funny. Yeah. Darren got it, I think. He just, yeah. I get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get it. I don't I'm I can't remember if I've seen the movie or not. But I have it was a long time ago. Can we watch it together one day, seriously? Sure. Okay. Can I like join in through Skype? Because yeah. that would be great. That would be funny, yeah. <laughs> That's not happening. So I do want to mention one more thing before we forget is uh, the remote viewing exercise that we did and the coordinates were, if people have listened back to, to our latest, uh, I think it was an episode, like three episodes ago, maybe 115 or 116, 117 with John Herlosky. He gave us some coordinates to do a fun little exercise. Two one zero five six six one one was the coordinates for a present, present time. Present time. And, uh, We've had some people emailing in. I haven't read those yet because we're going to do our own little experiment. And then, uh, so if you get your if you get your impressions in to us by June 10th, we'll probably release the results on June 12th, right? Yeah, I'm going to rate them. No, you're not going to rate them. <laughs> you can't rate them. It's a completely subjective. Did you, uh, so is everything else I rate? True. True. Did you... Uh, did you do yours yet, Justin? No, um, I want to, though. I'm glad that there's still time. Um, like I said, I've been pretty busy lately, but I, well, you will definitely have my picture before June 10th. Great. Awesome. Perfect. Kind of excited about it because I've been listening to other podcasts about remote viewing. And uh, yeah, there's a subreddit about remote viewing, too, where they like hold like targets, you know, and then do you like come back within a week? Oh. And, and tell them or send them the picture and then the person will show you whatever it is that they were that the target was wow interesting yeah i wonder if the skeptics on reddit tear that shit apart uh, yeah. probably it's when probably pretty it. skeptical that. spit that shit out yeah i think that about wraps it up uh, of course 
support the show, keep us ad free. Uh, grandamerica.ca slash support, uh, all sorts of different options there. Uh, review the show, that helps out as well. Um, tell a friend, tell your friends, tell people on Facebook or wherever the fuck else you live online. And sign people up for Justin's newsletter, grandamerica.ca slash news. Yeah, spam, spam Graham. Yeah, Graham at grandamerica.com. I'd love to hear like your lucid dreaming stories or strange experiences or trip reports, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, it's the beginning of June here. Let's uh, try and make a, sp- uh, a spread the word month. Tell friends about the show all of June. That's kind of the only real marketing we have, right? I mean, there's no other, besides your Twitter, right? And, right. and it really, it's just all of word of mouth. Your guys' mouth. And the odd t-shirt roaming around. Yeah. With a misspelled spelling of Sasquatch. <laughs> With a misspelled spelling of Sasquatch. That's yeah. how they spell Sasquatch in Saskatchewan. <laughs> Where there's no Sasquatch. <laughs> Okay, guys, enjoy the chat with uh, Paul Flores. It's a fun one, talking about uh, space in all of its glory. See you in the outro. Okay, guys, in America tonight, we're going to be chatting with Mr. Paul Flores. I fucked it up <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, about his uh, his work, some really exciting stuff that um, uh, I think it was maybe someone on Twitter pointed us in their direction anyway. Yeah, um, public space initiative, right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. How's yeah. it going, buddy? It's good, good. Yeah, we're happy to have Paul here. He founded the public space initiative basically a moon viewing project, but it's, uh, I think it's much more than that. We're going to talk to him about that for sure. And what got him interested and, and why he's put this thing together basically to publicly fund, uh, like 24 hour HD video of the moon. So it's exciting stuff. So welcome to Graham Erica, Paul. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We're, we're excited to talk to you about this. I guess we might as well start like at the, at the beginning there. Why, why are you, uh, interested in, in making this happen through public funding? Uh, making it happen through public funding. Uh, nobody trusts NASA anymore. You know, there's so many people. We don't trust the government. It's, you know, we, we think it's lies. We think NASA is lies. Uh, they don't give us the imagery that we want. They don't give us the stuff that we need. We always end up waiting months, years for certain images, and right. then there's nothing to back it up. True. So I, I already do the live telescope broadcasting out of the observatory, and uh, the original goal of that was to have the moon in backyard observatory telescopes 24-7. That's not realistic, though. 
realistically, the best way to do that would be through satellites. And getting that funded by the public, I think, would just be an amazing achievement because it's the public that's always screaming that they don't trust the mainstream. So yeah, I think yeah. it would be a, a major thing that the public has to be the ones that are doing the funding on this project, that we keep it public. Yeah, I... I agree. It's a bold, it's a bold adventure for sure. I mean, first of all, you know, we, we should be able to see that already. Right. I mean, we've had, how many satellites are up there? Like there's 30, 30,000 of them or something like that. I mean, it's a crazy number. And yet I guess, what is it? They all have their own agenda. They're all up there for some sort of corporate reason. And there's not a lot of public ones up there. Oh, well, even the ones that say they're public, they're just, they're really not public because they're owned by mainstreamers that, that are being funded through other sources rather than the public. Right. Their fund is dependent upon people that are dependent upon NASA. So you can't really go against all that or you lose your funding. Um, so there really is no public satellite out there. Like if you take SOHO, for instance, uh, the Helio Viewer Project, we have these satellites that the public can log on to to get images of the sun, but we're not getting real time. Uh, oh, a lot yeah, of those images, yeah. they're, they're taken down, uh, and then they're missing, or they're doctored, and you could fully tell it. So, I mean, we're just, we're constantly being lied to in one way or another. And I think that a 24-hour true live stream of imagery and data coming in uh, from the true public would go a long ways in, in the solving a lot of these conspiracies and a lot of the talk that's out there. I, I was going to wait till later to, to get into that, but I mean, and not to get too conspiratorial, but do you, do you fear that it, it, it just won't happen? Like the powers that be won't let it happen because, you know, NASA could have been doing this for, you know, a long time ago. So there must be, um, you know, a chance that it's just not going to happen. It'll, you'll get right up to the end and then, uh, who knows who knows what'll end up happening but but you've already you've already secured uh some rocket space right oh yeah yeah um like you said there's always a chance that something bad can go wrong and something will happen where we can't do this a, a lot of the subscribers and the viewers out there that's their number one issue is will the government let this happen now legally from a legal aspect of it there's nothing the government can do to stop it or shut it down um, but from the conspiratorial side, as we all know, they can, they actually can shut it down. Um, I don't really foresee the problems in that though, because of the space company that we've secured, um, when, when you have as many things in play as we do going on publicly, it's a little bit hard to shoot stuff like that down. So. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Eh? And that, that must be one of the strategies is get it out there public right away. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like make it open to everybody along this whole journey, getting it all set up and all. So everybody knows what's going on all the way along. Right. And now the, uh, the launch company we have, you know, they're, they're on the same page as I am with this. And, uh, um, I've been to many, uh, meetings with the CEO, Randa Milleron over there, and she's confident they can get us up there, that there's going to be no problems. Um, the government, though, like I said, I, I really don't see too much uh, problems coming from that aspect of it because if we actually get this thing going, there's going to be so much attention on it that there's just literally, there would be no way that you could do anything. 
uh, without being found out like almost immediately. Has this been tried before? Not that I know of. Uh, I don't know of anybody who has tried to put a satellite in orbit around the moon for public streaming like that. Uh, It's just unheard of. I like model rockets. I was actually joking I'd like to put something into orbit sometime, but I was thinking there's got to be all sorts of fucking logistics and paperwork, and they're probably just not allowed. I guess it's different for me to set off a rocket in my backyard than to hitch a ride with a reputable company. Exactly. If if you were to go and do this for yourself, uh, you you would need so much stuff that you would just give up the very first day. Um, but these companies, you know, they're in place. They have the permits and all of that. The only thing that we're required on our end is that we actually have the money to pay them and the satellite to give them. And uh, we're required to have an FCC license to get a dedicated frequency for the satellite. Uh, that is the biggest setback is the FCC frequency. Oh. But all, all you need is a licensed ham operator uh, in your organization, and you got it. You're in like Flint. So there's, there's really no other problems other than that. That was the biggest issue with the FCC license. You can't, get, you can't get by that using the internet somehow? I guess not, eh? You don't have Wi-Fi out there? No, yeah. There's no other way to get around that. We have to actually have uh, land-based receiving stations kind of spread out. We have to have at least two, and uh, that's why we want to do a relay system around low Earth orbit with some of the cheaper CubeSats. That cuts down the cost on both land-based receiving and transmitting stations. Oh, so you would have uh, one up there in lunar orbit, and then you'd have some uh, some receivers up in Earth orbit? Oh, yes, yes. Earth orbit is, is the first stage goal that we get uh, seven or eight satellites up here in low Earth orbit. Uh, while we're doing that, that's going to be the testing phase for some of the equipment we'll send to the moon. And what we plan on doing is the, the first satellite launch we're going to do into a polar orbit. We want to map the North and South Pole, and we want to kind of, uh, along with doing that, we want to kind of put an end to some of the conspiracies out there, such as the Flat Earth conspiracy and uh, (laughs) the Hollow Earth conspiracy. You know, let's see if there's really this huge hole up there. And talking to the rocket company, there are no laws that would prevent us from doing a polar orbit. Uh, there's no laws to even prevent us from going right over Area 51 and getting satellite images of Area 51. Sweet. Uh, you might be pushing your luck, <laughs> and your satellite might stop working. <laughs> and your brakes. <laughs> so, what yeah, about the. I, I can see all that. Are you going to look for the Nazi base on Antarctica, too, while you're up there, then? <laughs> Try and put that conspiracy? I, so. I guess you could put about yeah, a dozen no, conspiracies to rest. I'm going to look for some of Admiral Bird's old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we (laughs) could do an experiment on the lake this summer, Graham, where we could prove the Earth is round. How's my telescope? How's that? Because the lake's long enough, it should be down, I think, like 8 inches or 18 inches on the far side. Mm. We just need a real calm day. Let's just wait for Paul's satellites to go up there and we'll do that. Okay. (laughs) Sounds easier. (laughs) Have you ever seen uh, the astronaut farmer, Paul? The astronaut what? The astronaut farmer? No, I've never, never. Where uh, uh, Billy Bob, he's like a farmer, and he used to work at NASA, though, and he like has to build this secret rocket ship in his barn, and he does ends up doing an orbit around Earth. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to check that out, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I, I, just, I think it's like one of those ones you never heard of. I stumbled upon it one day, and I watched it, and... 
when I was started looking into this project of yours, it's the first thing I thought of was old Billy Bob and everyone was saying like kind of cheering for him and he gets this thing, but I won't tell you what happens at the end. Yeah. Don't, don't blow it for me. <laughs> so after you get all these up around earth, then you're going to go for the lunar orbit. And what does that entail? Are you, are you, is it a completely different, uh, like just for people that aren't familiar with how satellites are launched and all that, what do you do just to get it uh, directly up to the moon and then just have it captured under under the moon's orbit, uh, moon's gravity field, or um, yeah, what what happens is uh, interorbital systems they they'll launch uh, into an Earth orbit the way that they would go ahead to place any of our satellites in Earth orbit, except this time the rocket will get a boost as it goes around and they will uh, shoot it out towards the moon and they release your cargo. Um, there's two ways that they can do it. The rocket can actually make it all the way to the moon and they release your, your cargo in the lunar orbit. Or if you have the uh, satellite and cargo already, they just launch that straight out on the translunar uh, trajectory. It just depends on what you're using and, and how you're doing it. Um, I think that if we were to go ahead and do huge satellites for lunar orbit, they would actually take the entire apparatus to lunar orbit. Um, if we're doing a custom satellite, like a 50-kilogram satellite, the way we want, I think that gets released from the rocket in Earth orbit as it gets shot out. Um, I haven't worked all of that out with the orbital mechanics yet. They're still doing some number crunching on all of that, on what is the absolute best way to do each of the scenarios. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if that's like a Hail Mary. They just, like, shoot you off at the moon, and then you just cross your fingers for... How long's that trip? I guess it's got to be a, a couple of days. Yeah, it's uh, it's only a 48-hour trip. Uh, and as long as you're on the right trajectory, you'll get pulled into lunar orbit. Uh, from that point, uh, you're you're completely dependent on your satellite and its uh its its control system. Uh, so we we do have to have thrusters and a a uh, system on there to do maneuvers and to position the satellite, to look at certain things, to do to do uh, burns, to make it go into a higher orbit, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there's a lot of aspects that go into it. The lunar, the lunar part of this is going to be a very tricky, very tricky phase of, of the mission. It would be the hardest phase of the entire mission is just getting it in that orbit. Uh, once we got that, though, I, I think we're golden. So what, let's talk about the satellite. What's uh, what's step one then? I guess like, is what's like, what do we, what do you need to get? How far are we from having our satellite, or your satellite, or I guess everybody's satellite orbiting the first one around Earth? Like, is it the first one, just one? Uh, the first satellite that we do around Earth, uh, that can go up within six months of our completion of the fundraiser. Uh, the satellites that we would use for the Earth relay network and to do certain video and experiments here on Earth orbit, they're very inexpensive and the price of the launch is included. Uh, so those can go up almost immediately as long as we have the budget. To get to the moon, uh, when I sat down with interorbital systems and we did some number crunching and became the realistic numbers, from start of the project to finish, we can have a lunar orbit, uh, a satellite in lunar orbit within four to six years. That's not too bad. What's the price tag on that? Uh, the price tag on the lunar launch, um, 
would be if we if we did send a 50 kilogram satellite, the price tag for the launch would be 625,000 for the launch plus whatever it costs us to build the satellite. And after talking to a few different satellite builders, because uh, there are actually people out there that will build stuff like this. They will design it, they'll test it, and they will make sure it runs for you. Um, we're looking in the neighborhood of maybe one to two million dollars for a 50 kilogram satellite fully loaded down with the things that we want. Um, it, it doesn't cost the hundreds of, or tens of millions the way this, that NASA says it does. You can really get around a lot of this stuff cheaper because we're not, we're not NASA. We're not the government. And we don't need that budget for the next year. So uh, it, it's not as bad as you would think. Total cost, maybe uh, 2 to $3 million to get to a lunar orbit with a decent satellite capable of 24-hour transmitting. So that's not even, that's a, you only need a couple of bucks from each person, really. <laughs> it's not bad. You know, when you sit down and you do the numbers, I have, on my YouTube channel, I have 70,000 subscribers, and uh, my partner, Dobby7, he's got 100-some-odd thousand subscribers. Really, just to get Phase 1 out there and get Earth orbit and show everyone it's serious and it can be done, all we need is 20,000 people to say, yeah, I got 50 bucks on that to see if it can happen. That's really not a lot of people if you're looking at it as from the numbers aspect. How many millions of people are there out there that would actually want to see something like this happen? You know, I, I think the numbers are out there. I, I think the mission will go through and we'll make it happen. It's like Mars One, but not bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're not going to sit around for 10 years thinking about how we can do it. We already know how we can do it. It's just the budget that's preventing us from doing it. Uh, so the fundraiser will really be make it or break it for the project. Um, but we, we kind of covered ourselves on that aspect as well because we went ahead and went nonprofit with the corporation. So everything would not only be transparent, but we would also be able to qualify for educational grants, research grants, and stuff like that. So I mean, we're just trying to cover ourselves in every way we can to ensure that this is an absolute success uh, at the end of this six-year period here. I want to see this up there. And what, uh, what, what are you going to use for, uh, for the funder? Is it uh, GoFundMe? Or? Uh, for the fundraiser, I think we're, we're going to go with Kickstarter. They're, they're pretty big, and everybody knows Kickstarter. It's a trusted site. Uh, I, I haven't seen anybody on GoFundMe that's really tried to raise that kind of money. I'm sure they're out there, but I just haven't seen it. And I, I know Kickstarter is very capable of uh, getting projects funded for a million, two million dollars. They just funded a, a public satellite. It was supposed to be public. And uh, they raised a million and a half dollars for that project. And all that that does is it's an Earth orbit, and it puts, your, it puts a picture of you on an LCD screen plays in space. And that's all it does. And they funded that for a million and a half dollars. I, I think that we're going a hundred steps beyond that. The space selfie right? satellite? Yeah, exactly. That's really all you're doing. You're just you're putting your portrait in space and that's it. So, I mean, if they could fund that, then, you know, we could fund this. This is absolutely huge because we're not just talking about getting some answers and seeing what's really up there on the moon or what's really coming out of space. I mean, we're talking about opening up a doorway for education, uh, changing the face of education, you know, the same way that computers did 
when computers first came out and uh, they started being introduced into the classrooms because we saw that that was going to be the future. And I think that space education is going to be the exact same thing. We, we need to start getting these kids into these types of things now. So by the time they're 18 and they're out in the real world, they know what they want to do. They have something that they're pushing for, and it's just second nature to them. It's not something new. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's like a video game. To me, video games, at 40 years old, I look at video games and I say, wow, that's amazing. I, you know, they didn't have things like that when I was a kid. But to the, to today's age, kids look at the same video game that I think is very complex, uh, and they say that it's simple. Yeah. You know, they keep adding more buttons to controllers and more things just to make the guy do this or do that. It's because they're already prepping kids uh, to use military equipment and, and things like that in the future. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, but it, it's, it'll be the same way with space. You know, we got to get this in the classrooms. Let kids start getting experience handling a satellite or doing something with uh, satellite communication. You know, these are all things that are just a, a part of our daily lives now. These aren't taboo things. They're not things that are on the back burners. These are things that have been here now for 20, 30, 40 years, and we're not catching up in the classroom with it. Right. The right. way that we did with the computers. Yeah, that's a good point. So what what kind of video are you going to have then? I, I just was watching a video uh a short one on the moon and it had LRO topography on it. For example, are you going to do anything besides HD video or is there a, is there a, is there a long-term goal of different types of imagery or? Oh yes. Uh, well, we're, we're going to definitely have the HD video, but we also want to have some type of, uh, infrared, some kind of FLIR system, uh, or some type of night vision system to get in for the dark side of the moon. There are a couple instruments that I would love to have on the satellite to measure, uh, to measure water particles on the lunar surface and to do a couple other things. Hmm. Um, but I think the main staple of the video will be the HD video, other than the, uh, either the FLIR or the night vision style that will be for the dark side of the moon as the satellite makes that orbit around the back. You just got to catch it on the new moon. And it'll be nice and bright. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so speaking of the dark side of the moon, I mean, is there? There's a whole bunch of conspiracies around the pictures, and there's like glass structures on the moon, and they have these supposed NASA scrubbed images from the lunar orbiter and all that. Is that is that one of the main motivations for you to get up there? Is to see to see what's on the dark side? Like, do you, like, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I would I would love to see what's on the dark side of the moon. I mean, just to really know that that's the actual images that I'm getting and to see it's there. Um, as far as the, the NASA images, you know, they, they have many images that are certified uh, where you can see smoke coming out of craters, uh, like a moving smoke plume coming out of a stack. Uh, there are structures, geometric structures that they've captured. And these are all reasons why I would love to get something in orbit up there. And not to mention the fact that from my own backyard observatory uh, with my telescope, I image structures on the front side of the moon. Um, there, wow. there's, a, there's a million. Oh, they're there. You know, they're there if, you, if you're looking for them and you have the right gear, uh, you, you will find some stuff and you'll see stuff. The moon's got to be at the right angle and the right face for some things to be out. Other things are just right in your face 24 hours a day if you just take the time to really look at it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I would like to 
to look into about the moon. I'm, I'm a firm believer that life here on Earth more than likely came from our moon and migrated. Uh, I'm one of those guys that thinks that Hollywood gives you a bunch of hints and tips in, in some of their movies and whatnot. And realistically, when you think about any science fiction film you ever see about space, you never see people living on the planet. You see people living on the moon that's orbiting the planet. I think that's one of those little inside things that we shouldn't be looking for life on planets. We should be looking for the life on the moons that are orbiting the planet. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had to terraform Earth. They call that lunar spermia. Lunar spermia? <laughs> no. That's not what's uh, I, I think that, that that would be a, a legitimate explanation of why, if, if we do have uh, structures on the lunar surface, ancient structures, I believe that that, you know, that would explain it a lot. You know, that would really explain it right there. Uh, almost the same as Mars. You know, I believe that we have, once have life on Mars. Uh, it suffered cataclysm, you know. If this goes well, is, is that something you would think about, is making the next one to Mars? Oh, uh, if this goes well, what we, what we imagine is having live cameras around all the planets and the moons eventually. Um, that's, I, would, I would really love to see that uh, before I die, is to have a live feed camera coming from Jupiter and Saturn and the moons, uh, one coming from Venus. You, you know, I would love to see things like that happen, and I would love uh, for the entire world to be able to just get on their computer and be able to log on to it absolutely free and say, hey, that's awesome. That's what's going on on Jupiter right now, or that's what's going on the moon uh, bio around Jupiter right now. That's inspiring. And there's no reason why really we can't do that in this day and age with all the public funding that's going on and all the people that are interested in this and and all the distrust of all the agencies and institutions just, out there. It could happen. You just got to put a thing on there so that people could put their their selfie on the moon <laughs> just make that an add-on and you will have no problem gram on the moon <laughs> we can try that get your selfie on the lunar surface uh, I, I was told we can actually put things down on the moon uh, inner orbital systems is actually going for a lunar, a lunar ample return mission uh, that's the mission that we're going to tag along with if we have the funding and the satellite ready by then. Oh. Um, but we were told that we can actually take one of our CubeSats uh, and we can put that down on the lunar surface. The only conditions that we have about the moon, the only law that seems to be out there for space is that we cannot land near or on any of the Apollo landing sites for historical reasons. We have to stay a certain amount of uh, miles away from those. But I think that would be awesome to launch something down on the moon and put some people's property down on there, you know, put your selfie down there. Or We actually uh, sell know, the lunar land. I've, I've heard that. Uh, that stuff goes. To, uh, lunar dust is going for a big price, but I heard people are actually selling plots. Yeah, well, yeah, we're trying to get in on that racket. <laughs> Yeah, I know. How does how does that work out? Well, you're not allowed, you know, no country's allowed to own things in space, but there's somebody selling plots on the moon. Oh, corporate <laughs> America, man, we've they've got it all figured out. The rules yeah, don't I, apply. Yeah, it seems that seems to be the case. Uh, you know, rules don't apply to them, but we're stuck right in the middle of it. 
So could we send maybe a little Grimerica Moai with you and we could drop that down there somewhere? How much would that cost us? We could probably kick up some donations for that. Get a little Moai on the moon with his little headset and his little doobie. Oh, man, if, if we can get to the moon, we'll send you a, a bobblehead up there for free. We'll get you a dry bobblehead, guys, and we'll put it up there. You know, they don't weigh too much. That'll be like the beginning of some movie down the road. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> So it looks like you focus quite a bit on on the education aspect and schools and all that. Is that that's obviously part of your strategic plan to try and really capture the scientists that are teaching and all that kind of stuff, get all them involved? Well, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, I'm really counting on support from the YouTube community and the conspiracy community because when you think about it, just the YouTube community alone can completely fund this project thirty times over with absolutely no problem. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it's a numbers game, you know. So we also have to look at that aspect of how can we get the rest of the world to jump on board with this mission so it's not just the crazy conspiracy guys that want to go look for alien structures and bases. Right. We have, we have to have that educational aspect. And to me, in my mind, if I'm actually able to pull this off, and get a satellite in orbit around the moon, it, it would be kind of pointless to just do that and just have video uh, and not have it be educational in some way. It would just be a complete waste. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I want the images, but I want it to benefit 100% of what it can benefit as far as the live video and the educational aspect and everything that we would learn just, just in, in general of a 24-hour feed of live video and live data coming in from there. I, I just think that that would be invaluable. And you could probably just rely on other people to archive that shit for you, too. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I, I guess that would become a huge cost eventually, right? You're just talking about storing gigabyte after gigabyte after gigabyte. Just put it in the cloud. Instead of F8. What is, what, <laughs> yeah. what is the cloud yeah. to you? <laughs> it's really... Uh, Really expensive on that one, you know. But you have people like Ustream, uh, where I do my video, my live broadcasting is over on Ustream. And uh, what they do over there is when you broadcast, it records it in and it'll save your video in there. But you do have an archive. Same with the ISS, uh, the Inter the HD Earth Viewing Experiment. And they're going through Ustream, you know. So everything that they've done from the very beginning is all archived within Ustream. The only catch to that that you got to pay Ustream uh, five, six hundred a month or whatever it is, or, or their yearly fee. But if, if we went ahead and got the funding for this project, that would absolutely be no problem to do that or to set up our own servers that would uh, handle the space that we would need. I would, I would more than likely go with our own servers just so I know it's tamper-proof and, uh, you know, pe people don't have access to it. That's a big thing. Um, you know, is, is the images that we're actually getting back, are they tampered with, or are they the real images? Yeah, it won't be long before people turn on you. It'll be like, oh, those oh, MVP yeah. motherfuckers, they're always doctoring shit up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening, you know, but that's why everything that I do, like, even now in, in my personal broadcasting, everything I do is 100% live. You know, that way you can't say, hey, they doctored that one up. Because if I could do stuff like that, I should be working in Hollywood and I, I should be living the pretty life, and I'm not. 
so live is just really, really hard to fake things, you know, and you can't say that it's doctored. You can't say anything other than, oh, my God, did that just really happen? Let me go back a little bit. And let me see if that just really happened. You have, know? have you had to do that uh, so far in your in your live streaming of your, your telescope and stuff? Have you seen anything out of the ordinary? Oh, we, we catch out of the ordinary things all the time. Uh, you know, when you're looking in space and you're looking through a telescope, it's, it's very, very exciting just to see anything move. You know, when you see a star field or you're looking at the moon, when you see another object moving, I don't care who you are or how long you've been doing it, it is a rush. It's exciting because you never know what it is. You have a comet. You have an asteroid. Um, was it a satellite? Was it a bird? Was it a bat? Was it a bug? Was it none of the above? Is it a legitimate UFO? Uh, so we catch things all the time that I'm not going to go ahead and say that they were spaceships and little green men, but mm -hmm. they are legitimate certified UFOs. Uh, but on the same note, there are more than a few captures that we have where I can't, I, the only thing that I can say is that that is technology that we do not have, we cannot produce. Uh, so what, civiliz uh, what civilization was that? You know, every, it takes a really special uh, capture for me to say that's legitimate little green men right there in my heart. That's how I feel. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I do have a couple. Uh, you know, we, we have a few videos out there uh, that have, they, they've just blown up and gone viral, and we've had all the big-wig scientists do the math numbers on them. And, you know, they, they say there's nothing we have that can move that fast. You know, nothing we make, uh, there's nothing we know that's flying around naturally, all these, you know, a lot of different things go into it when they do their equations, and they figure out how fast it was passing through your field of view. Um, that's why when you report anything astronomical, you have to give every, every little aspect of the equipment you're using, what kind of telescope it is, what's the focal length, the focal ratio, what camera were you using, what size the ship, what's the focal ratio of that. I mean, they need every little detail because that gives them all the information they need to say, uh, okay, this object was about a mile long and it was moving this many miles an hour to pass by the telescope field of view that quick. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many different things that go into it and you really got to know your math when you're getting into some of that stuff. And unfortunately, I'm not that advanced in math, so I, I got to have other people do the math for me and I have to kind of trust what what they're telling me. Yeah, so trigonometry and shit. Oh, it's, it's getting even deeper than that. I mean, it gets insane. I mean, some of the stuff we're, we're actually really talking orbital mechanics uh, involved in it as well. So, I mean, it's insane levels of math that these guys are doing. It'd be so nice just to have a couple satellites above Earth, even just so you can just just so you can know that it's publicly funded. You can just go look on that feed anytime, and you can be the one to spot a, a comet or a UFO or whatever out there. That's that'd be awesome. Or you, your fireworks on the Fourth of July? <laughs> Try and see yourself. <laughs> well, that that would be amazing. You know, I, I want to get a. Uh, I would love to see images from Earth orbit of Earth with the actual star field in the background. It is possible to do. You know, we never see that from the ISS camera. They show you the Earth and you got a black background. They're, they're not turning their sensitivity on the camera up. You know, there's, I, there, there's images out there where you have Earth in the field of view and then you have the Milky Way rift behind it with comets floating out in the distance. 
And these are absolutely amazing, amazing images that you really won't find unless you dig deep form and you're specifically looking for it. Other than that, the general public is unaware that it, that it even exists. Do you have you know, that? Do, is, do you have them on your website or anything we could direct people to? Uh, there's, there's, I have one video of a ISS expedition uh, in HD that they don't release out to the public. Uh, you got to actually go into the NASA archives and dig them up and download them. Uh, but I have one, one of their HD missions out there. There's also, you can go anywhere on YouTube and just type in uh, ISS and HD, and you will, you'll see a ton of videos that'll pop up. And, I mean, you can see videos with comets in the background. Uh, I, I believe there's a video out there where they actually have Comet Ison floating out in the background of Earth from the ISS, but they never make that public and say, look at this image. You know, you got to really just dig for it. That's what I hate. You know, you really got to dig for these things because they don't want you to have them. Why is that, do you think? Why wouldn't it help sell the whole agency and the funding behind it? I mean, you'd think it would be used as well, a marketing gonna, tool. Well, they're going to get their funding no matter what. Well, that's but true. They're always going to get their funding. But the question is, is how much can they put out to us before we really start asking too many questions? Like, how much is is too much. Right. But they want to put just enough out there, you know, which is why during some of the uh, STS missions with the space shuttle, you know, like the tether incident where we had all those UFOs out there uh, going around the 75 mile long tether. And we could clearly see that these UFOs were passing behind the tether and these things were miles long. Um, they show you just enough and then they'll cut you off. And then you never <laughs> hear it again, you know, and it just leaves you kind of wondering, like, what was it? You know, what was that really? And, uh, and then by the time the next one comes up, you already forgot about that because you're on to the next one. And that's how they keep that game going. You know, they, they're just going to give you a little bit here and there, just enough to keep you interested and in tagging along, but not enough to say, hey, wait a minute, stop, hold the presses. What just happened? Did you follow so that's, the... That's how I think they are. What happened with the Chinese one that went up there recently? Was there anything good coming from that? Didn't they, uh, was broke, it the Jade Rabbit or something? Jade like Rabbit. Oh, the uh, Jade Rabbit. Uh, yeah, they, a couple things came out of there, but uh, most of them, most of them were just uh, average, run-of-the-mill conspiracy inquirer-style things, you know, like they had one conspiracy coming out of there, Jade Rabbit captured Nibiru, uh, <laughs> Jade Rabbit. Abraham that, but when you go to it, you, you can clearly see their Photoshop, and uh, it's just, that ends the whole discussion right there. It's like, that's clear Photoshop. Or you look at the website it really came from, and you're like, well, yeah, they do spoofs. You know, it's like, here's the onion, they're doing a spoof on it. Well, what about the real uh, stuff from Jade Rabbit? Like how... Uh, real? Yeah. Did, is, there, is there any uh, public uh, availability to that stuff? <laughs> There's not a, there is public availability to it, but there's not a lot. Right. You're, you're still confined to a small number of pictures that they release out to you. Um, and I, I really haven't seen anything spectacular in their images yet. That's, that's made me really do a second look and say, oh, my God, let me get the editing program out. Uh, there's nothing legit that I've, that I've seen yet. What's... But at least they got the images out there. You know, that given that much, yeah. they are putting some of the images out. What's the uh, expected launch date of the campaign? 
Uh, the expected launch date for this, uh, I'm shooting for August. You know, we want a couple months of, of radio interviews out there and some media spin on it, get everybody interested in it, and then we'll go ahead and launch in August. Uh, you know, a lot of people fail these projects because they try to rush into them. You know, they, they get a great idea, and then they rush right into it, and they're trying to fundraise the very next day. And uh, there's a lot that goes into this. When you're trying to ask for a million dollars, you really got to get the word out there, and you really got to have people interested in that. So we don't want to shortchange it. You know, we want to give the project the best chance possible, and you know, and do two to three months of PR spin out there and, and get the people really on board with what we're doing and get them excited about it. Are we a first stop? Oh yeah, you guys right here. Very first interview for the Moon Viewing Project on the Grimerica Show. Sweet. I think that's a good uh, good idea though to get that all done beforehand. Like I can picture now. All these, all these fundraising campaigns that we hear about, and we go in and check, and we're like, "Why is there only so many people in there?" Like, even Mufon had one that I thought would be great, and uh, it was like hardly any interest at all. And it's probably because it was all Nobody trying. Nobody even to, knows about it. Yeah, yet. they were trying to market it after the launch. Right, right. Yeah, see, I, I come from. Uh, I'm, I'm taking this from my business experience and background is that uh, in any project, you know, say I have 10,000 10, people to reach out to, I got to look at that number and I got to say realistically out of that 10,000 people, I'm going to pull 10 people. You know, it's a numbers game. So I got to get there for now. I got to get out there to millions and millions of people. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, I, I've seen so many amazing projects on Kickstarter that failed that I just like, how can that be? Yeah, you know, just like you guys were saying, even people like Mufon, if, if nobody knows about your idea and nobody knows what's going on, how can you get the support? You know, you you got to get people interested in it, and and then you hit them with it. You know, you can't just say, uh, "Hey, we came out with this, and now you guys want to fund it." It's it's been my experience that that's that's the aim of the, the the biggest way to fail is to just rush it. You know, you got to get that word out there and let everybody know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You got to play the field a little bit. You got to feel people out and see where they're coming from. Because along the way of the interviews, we're going to be getting feedback from the community and they're going to be telling us what they like about the project, what they don't like about the project, what they want to see added into the project. And these are all things that we're going to be listening to and uh, trying to add in, in and out of the project and take their, uh, uh, what they're saying and take that into consideration because this is for everybody. This is the public space initiative. Do you have it's any... not public-based initiative. It's all of theirs. So we want to listen to them and incorporate as many of their ideas and do it as we can. Is there room on that thing for names and stuff? I think that could be a big one where you give a certain contribution amount and you get your name on that fucker. On what? On the satellite. Like start with yeah. the Earth ones, like the biggest guy. It could be named after him for you know for oh, fifty grand. Like they, the they name, name of the satellite. satellite after oh, it. It's like okay. a Grimerica satellite for fifty grand mm. or whatever, right? And then maybe for a little less, everyone gets their name. Your name's in space. Little idea, free. We thought about that uh, naming satellites after the biggest contributor for that part. Um, we thought about adding you know, names on the satellite or contribute a certain amount. And then, like you said, actually naming the satellite for somebody. 
Um, we've been talking about doing live space aerials. Um, you know, anytime we put a satellite up there, one of our CubeSats, uh, why not just send one more up there and we can release ashes into space uh, and do space burials, you know, and, and not only is it getting released into space, but we'll have the GoPro right there with the downlink so you could watch it live, you know, as the capsule opens up and your loved one is ejected out into space and their ashes kind of scatter. You know, we, we have all kinds of uh, ideas that we're trying to play around with here. That's a good idea. So, and, and just so people know, you haven't, this isn't just some pie in the sky idea. You've done a whole business plan here. You've even sussed out the equipment. You've got all the equipment that you need and that you want on there and the prices to that. And you've got different stages set up. So it's a full blown, you know, it's, it's not just an idea at this point. It's, it's happening. Yes. Uh, we, we are in the stage right now of making it happen. Um, all of the plans are written. The, the business aspect of it is, is all looked at. We understand what we're in store for. And we know what we got to do. We've talked to all the right satellite companies. We've talked to all the right people and secured the launch company. Uh, we have the nonprofit organization put together. I have the board of directors put together. Um, we have a professional historian, museum curator. Uh, we have the uh, president of the local astronomical society out here on the board of directors for this project. So we're, we're getting into real people here. You know, I didn't want to fill the board up with my friends. You know, <laughs> we, we need real people. <laughs> so I have real professionals sitting on this board of directors that are no joke. And uh, they, you know, they will make sure that the project goes the direction that it needs to go. Because I did not set myself up to to be the, uh, the main guy. I do not have all the say-so. I do not have any decision-making authority. It all has to go through the board of directors, no matter what it is. Uh, so at any given time, I can actually be cut out of the loop, and I could be told, uh, you're no longer part of this initiative, Paul. It's great that you started it, but we don't like where you're going anymore. Uh, so well, we're a scholarship you. in your name. Hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I, did, I did not set this up to benefit myself in any way, shape, or form. This is absolutely 100% uh, for the public, and it's going to do what the public wants. And it's not about what I want. Uh, so I, I got to go with the public, and that's why I got this board of directors, because I know that uh, they're not just going to lean towards me with decisions that I'm telling them, hey, I think that maybe we should do this. You, you know, because even though I'm the CEO, uh, if, if I have a suggestion or an idea, it's got to clear through them. And they either say, hey, we like that, or we don't like the direction that's going to take us, so we're not going to do that. We'll go off in this way. Uh, so I, I, I have all those checks and balances put into place, you know, so there's not one individual making the decisions or handling money. And uh, I, I think that it will be a success for the way that we have it set up and the systems that we've put in place. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. What do you think uh, Mars One helps or hurts? Mars One, I think it helps. I think it helps uh, because it's going to be an epic fail. Yeah. They've got my 40 bucks. Most things they do with Mars is like epic fail. Um, a lot of things to do with Mars just aren't going to happen. I, I don't put any stock in Mars at all. Um, but I, I think that it'll help out because here you're going to have mainstream trying to do something and it's 
more than likely going to be a fail. And then you're going to have the YouTube guys over here that are making something happen for real. So I, I think people will see that. Hopefully they don't just think it's a copycat scam. They got grab. They got grab in the scam. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It was worth 40 bucks of entertainment in the Grimerica show. I did it for the show, Darren. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to go die on Mars for the show. <laughs> Did you guys cover that Mars One? Yeah, Graham applied. We see he sent in a video and everything. Oh wow! But he didn't That's get crazy. Out. You didn't? Did you? Did you get past the first round? No, no I didn't and get then past the first round. After, after you went out in the first round, you could get back in for another forty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> that sucks. Real rigorous process. You could probably just could have greased them. Send them forty thou. Send them your forty bucks with another <laughs> check for forty thou. They're like just to get into the final, final like three hundred or something. <laughs> well, that's good. Hopefully, you should get. Hopefully, uh, some of our listeners can. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We we adhere to a strictly value for value model, and uh, it's going pretty well. So hopefully, some of that will spill over into the public space initiative. Oh yeah, I'll be donating for sure. Can you oh, send? Can we send yeah. Graham to the moon? <laughs> uh, you can, as long as we can fit within the weight confines. We're all good. I might not fit in the weight. I could fit in the space. <laughs> 50, 50 kilo. You're gonna have to hit the. You're on a water diet. <laughs> I, think, I think our limit. I think our limit is a hundred kilograms. So I think you guys are pretty covered, isn't that? Oh yeah, you're good. We could send you. One way trip. You can try and set up a colony. <laughs> So is there anything else you want to mention, uh, Paul? Um, well, if you guys want to find us, you can check us out on uh, moonviewingproject.org. Website just went up today. It's the initial release of the website. I was wondering. Um, you also have the YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash darkskywatches74. You find all your MVP updates there, uh, and not just the MVP updates, but you're going to get the live telescope broadcasting that I do there as well. Definitely, you guys can follow me there if you're interested in telescope and space, which is already where we're going. Uh, we're, we're doing it now, but we're just doing it from Earth until we can actually get to the moon. Are you on the uh, tweeter? Uh, tweets. Twitter, Twitter, what is that? I hardly use it, but I think my secretary, Heidi, set something up. I think it is MVP Mission. Yep. Twitter, yes, Twitter is at MVP Mission. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good, that's a nice one. You got a bunch of links there to uh, other stuff, YouTube and all that, yeah, that's good. Perfect. Twitter seems to be the big one. Seems to be the yeah, I, I haven't even been on the website yet. Uh, I think, I think he just opened it today. <laughs> Yeah, I was, well, I was just before the interview, I found the website and I thought, geez, I don't remember seeing that before. And it's cause it just started up today. Yeah. Very, very good. A lot of detail about your project, about the equipment and everything. It's great. So you guys have obviously done your homework. Oh yeah. I'm looking at it here too. Oh yeah. Basically what he's got down there is our, uh, is our proposal that we would give out for a grant or to somebody interested in joining this project or to get funding from. I mean, there's a lot of aspects in there. We did do the homework on this. This is not just a, uh, 
something being done on a whim or, you know, hey, I think we can do it because it sounds cool. We've really done the homework and we understand there, there are literally sleepless weeks in store for us down the road if we could get this initial funding we're really in for it because, I mean, that just, that means uh, moving locations for some people that are in the project. And it, it means lots of sleepless nights and uh, 36 hour and 72 hour days for people. So what kind of, what kind of mainstream coverage are you going to go for here? Uh, mainstream coverage, any kind of mainstream coverage we can get, I think would be amazing. Um, because we, even though that we're, we're really doing this because we want to get some answers and, you know, we are the conspiracy guys. Mainstream aspect of it has to be there because that's the educational aspect. I think that that's the aspect they're going to push the most is right. the educational aspect. Um, whereas, uh, you know, Grimerica Show and some of these other places, uh, you know, we're going to push the conspiracy aspect because that's the crowd that we're targeting. Um, I would love to see this plastered all over mainstream news. Yeah. Uh, which is another, uh, with the website, you know, we're, we're trying to hire professional advertising uh, to get pro- a professional advertising agency out there to put a, a campaign on this and really get it out there to the public, uh, to all the mainstream. And, you know, I would love to see this on, uh, every, every new show around the world, you know, around the country, you know, breaking news. Hey, some nobodies are trying to go to the moon. You know, I would love to see that because that's exactly the exposure we need, uh, to, to get that other, a community of people in there to fund the project. You got to sneak it onto Big Bang Theory somehow. <laughs> I've never watched that show. My brother loves it though. He's it's like a, he loves it. He will not miss an episode. It's a guilty pleasure. I don't have cable, but I have it on the uh, Apple Box, so I'll, I'll binge watch it from time to time. Yeah, you could even do trade shows and stuff too, like the Comic Con people. Like all those, that whole crowd would be would love you too. And Star Trek, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I've I've uh, I've emailed Shatner. <laughs> Shatner, I was trying to get him on the show for a while. I think he blocked me. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Might have. Yeah, I emailed him and uh, I told him, "Man, let's go where no man's gone before." Shatner, let's do this. Uh, I've been in contact with Richard Hoagland. Um, we've exchanged a few emails about the project. I think he just wants to see how far I'm going to push it. Uh, before he makes his mind up on whether I'm just BS and this is a whim or if this is something real. Uh, but we've exchanged five or six emails talking about the project, and I've asked him to be involved in it. And we talked to Linda Moulton Howe. Uh, we've talked to Jose Escamilla. Um, we, we've talked to a lot of the big people in the conspiracy community who we feel, you know, if they were on the project, they're just that much better for us, you know? Uh, if we can get Richard Hoagland in there, I think that we would just be in like Flint, you know, that'd be a no brainer. You know, here we go. Sucalos. We got Richard Hoagland. Uh, yeah, there you go. There's another one, Giorgio Sucalos. Everybody's telling me to go down to contact in the desert and go talk to these people. Yeah. Uh, contact in the desert next month. And I, I very well may do that. That's um, pretty close to you, isn't it? Or how, how far away yeah. from that? Oh God, I could be at Joshua tree in a couple hours, man. It's not oh. that far. Oh yeah. Go there for I, sure. I, I'm in the tri-state area of uh, Arizona, Nevada, and California. Right. I, I mean, I'm literally right there at the tri-state. I could throw a rock and hit the border, man. Uh, so for me to go into California, Joshua Tree is it's just right there. 
Yeah, set up, a t- set up a table there and get a bunch of brochures and shit. People will dig that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to do that. Just, just on a personal level, I would love to do contact in the desert. A lot of the people that uh, I've been following for years and years are going to be there. Yeah, I was looking at it this year, too, thinking maybe I should try and get down there. That's June. It's June or July. I can't remember. I think it's June. June. Yeah. Yeah, it is June because we have the Area 51 trip uh, uh, coming up in July. Nice. Area 51, Grammy, you will get arrested at Area 51. <laughs> I've been close a couple times. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've, I've pushed my luck that place uh, more than I probably should have. But I, I think it's at the point where they kind of leave me alone now because I'm so public with it. And there's so many people that will actually watch the live broadcast when I'm doing it. When you're getting tased, they, <laughs> they don't want uh, that. Well, it's bad for business. They, you know, I I caught BLM on the last broadcast. We caught Bureau of Land Management flying a helicopter into the most secured airspace in the world and landing. How do you do that as BLM? I, I don't understand it. Little things like that that they just don't want the public to know. Right. You know? So you've got all your gear when you go there and you're taping? Oh, man, I, I take it all. We get up there, we got the telescopes, we got all the cameras out running, we got the night cameras going on. Uh, we, we got every angle covered up there for the most part. And we're trying to add some real broadcasting cameras for this trip. Uh, instead of using GoPros and webcams and stuff like that, and then filming through our cameras and then having to upload that, uh, because all you get live right now is either the telescope cameras uh, or the GoPros. And neither one of those are really good when you're trying to do planes or UFOs. Right. Um, but we found regular video cameras that will do up to like 90 times zoom. And they, they, they're all regular video cameras, but they are capable of hooking directly into Ustream and YouTube and doing the live broadcasting. When I'm actually filming two planes, dogfighting or a UFO in a plane, like uh, everybody will actually be able to see the plane and the UFO the way I'm seeing it. Uh, they don't just see the contrail through the webcam and then they got to wait for me to upload the real footage. Uh, we're trying to make it as realistic for everybody as we possibly can. You know, and anything that I do, like I said earlier, live is a really big thing. So, well, I'm going through great lengths to make sure that everything that I do live is going to be in the best quality that I can get out there for the budget that I'm with. What, uh, and you're, are you able to do that on location at like area 51? You're, you're able to just use, what are you just using? Like a cell network? Uh, no, we broadcast from the little alien. In oh, Nevada. that's right. That's, yeah. that's the main base right there. They're 10 miles from the back gate and the room that they give me, is, it looks right at the back gate. Uh, I got the primo room uh, with the 360 view all the time. Um, it, I, I just love it, you know, and if we, if we go out to the back gate or something, I have to take, I have to get a new service this year because AT&T is dead when you're up at Area 51. You're dead. I think Verizon gets a signal. I'm going to have to find a cell phone provider uh, that I can get a signal while I'm up there. So when I go right to the back gate or I'm at the front gate or I'm way out in the field doing some work, I can actually broadcast that out live as well. I've, I've never actually been able to go to the back gate and then do the broadcast live right from the back gate. Say, you know, look, here I am. I'm touching the back gate. We're there, guys. You know, that's I would love to be able to do that. Uh, that's my ultimate goal. 
for that one, man. I would love that. Sweet, yeah. That, uh, we're gonna, D- Darren, you're gonna have to pay attention to this, and when the next time he goes to the Little Alien, I'll have to tune in, tune in live. No, it's well, in a couple we, weeks. Uh, when when are you going to Area 51? I gotta make a note of that. We're gonna be up there uh, July 17th through the 31st. Oh, They're right. having red flag operations and green flag operations. Both are overlapping for the entire month, right there. And uh, I've I've never seen an operation do that. Uh, I've never seen anything big, and I've never seen them overlap for that long. So there's something huge going on, and a lot of people are tying this into Jade Helm. Uh, you got Jade Helm starting on July 15th, and then you have this red flag and green flag combination starting two days later, and and it's a it's a big deal. Uh, so a lot of people are flipping out right now. So you've got your 360-degree room booked and reserved at the Little Alien? Yeah, I didn't realize you could actually stay there. I I almost went there last month, and I should have drove. I should have made the drive from Vegas, but it was like I left it to the last day, and then I didn't end up doing it. But I should just go up there and stay at the Little Alien for a night. That's the way to do it. Oh, it's it's so fun. Even if you don't see anything while you're there for a night, you know, yeah. it's, it's still fun, and you still get to say, "Hey, I was actually here." And uh, this is a big deal. Not a lot of people get to actually go to the little alien or the back gate of Area 51. You know, they'll, they'll watch it on TV for all their life, and they'll never get to experience it. Uh, so for me, I, I, it's worth it. Whether you see anything or not, it's worth it just to be there and to say you actually did it. It's <laughs> awesome. Just tell them you'd mentioned them on the show, and maybe they'll give you a free room. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll, have to yeah, link to, I'll have to link to that, too little alien absolutely yeah. that's like where we're going yeah well that's uh that's awesome thanks a bunch for coming on paul uh, uh i suppose we should wrap it up do you have anything uh, any last thoughts before we before we finish this up uh i'm pretty good uh just i want to let it out there you know this project that we're doing with the, the moon viewing project the public space initiative this is for the public, and uh, I, I firmly believe in my heart that the only way that this project will fail is if the public lets it fail. So get on board, public. Let's do this. I agree. Thanks, man. And uh, good luck on your on your little round, making the rounds here, and I'm glad you got a chance to practice up in Grand America. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a fun time. You guys are awesome. Welcome back to the show. That was Paul Flores in the Moon Viewing Project. I I don't have the patience for this, man. I just want this to happen right away. Are you there? I don't think that's an option. When was it launching? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was going to happen fairly quick, but I mean, it's got to. I think it's got to be. Uh, 
he'll let around us know earth for a couple yeah. like it's got to be around earth what i want right away is like something around the moon and that's not going to happen for a few years so i really just don't have the patience for this yeah i think the kickstarter for earth is starting once he does a few i think we're his first interview right so oh yeah right we're helping to get this ball rolling and hopefully you guys who listen can spread the word tell your friends um and let's get i mean the mo basically the more people like in our position that can help promote it and convince our listeners to contribute to it then uh the quicker it'll happen yeah it's such a good idea and i can't believe it hasn't happened yet already like i'm so excited about it super so excited yeah there you go but we'll be able to contribute we'll be able to kick in a little bit when it comes up use some of our uh so you can donate to Gramerica and we can use some of those donations to support the MVP. I still like the name on the plaque. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, if I had 10 grand burning a hole in my pocket, I'd put it on a plaque on a satellite orbiting space. And there is the other side of it where that we have be to like, be. Just think of like Planet of the Apes, but they find a satellite. It says Gramerica on it. The Gramerica show. What's that? so there is there is the other along. side of it though where it's really like if if he gets that far and it comes that close somebody up there will put the brakes on you think so yeah you think they won't let it happen there's the too much spiritual side of you totally man or he himself will be because Motto. like he was saying no well he said he he's not going to have any special stake in it oh, it's right, going to be yeah, yeah. so yeah that's yeah somebody could yeah they can eke in that way and take over the place and all of a sudden you're getting airbrushed images from there as well yeah or there's nothing to see move along now nothing to see here i don't believe that's the case at all at all at all there's something to see up there have you ever seen transformers age of extinction there's bases on the dark side of the moon mm. it's the best way to discredit it come out with a hollywood movie wonder yeah you think so yeah that's what transformers is for yeah so they made the cartoon 35 years ago to try and debunk no no, no the or, latest the latest episode and that's why latest. they used transformers because it was such a big discovery they had to use a super big blockbuster to yeah uh, Who's that? That's, uh, what's his name? Michael Bay? Yeah. So Michael Bay's Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> huh. You heard it here first. Um, as always, support the show, grammarica.ca slash support. Help us keep the lights on. Uh, sign up for the newsletter, grammarica.ca slash news. Uh, review the show and tell your friends. Spam grab. Thanks for listening. See you next week. The Earth is held in place by forces unseen forces in space our lives respond to a planet that is planted in our embrace it accounts for tides and cycles steady orbits and light it circles around us and gives direction Provides perspective in plain sight We're talking about moon time Moon time Moon time as rhythm and rhyme We're talking about moon time Moon time Moon time, moon time.
Consist of 13 28 day cycles forming the framework to use. Evolutionary systems of adapting to survive and reproduce. Life as we know it is only possible from the resulting stability. It has a mass of force, not visible, using what we call gravity. We're talking about moon time, moon time, moon time as rhythm and rhyme. We're talking about moon time, moon time, moon time as rhythm and rhyme. motion in zones We flow through the space-time ether in the suit of skin and bones Connecting with what surrounds us as we dance with what's in range Harmony can be realized enhancing our exchange we're talking about moon time moon time moon time as rhythm and rhyme we're talking about moon time moon time 